With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I want to say thank you to the Iowa Pork Producers for coming on and being a sponsor of the Hawkeye Nation podcast. The Iowa Pork Industry, including production, processing, and packing, provided more than 141,000 jobs in 2015. That's about the total combined populations of Ames, Ankeny, and Coralville, with nearly 52% in production. And the pork industry contributed over $750 million in state and local taxes in 2015. Iowa, get this, Iowa produces a third of the hogs raised in the United States and is the nation's leader in pork production and more than 90% of Iowa's hog farms are family owned. So thank you to the Iowa pork farmer. Thank you to the Iowa pork consumer. Visit their website at iowapork.org. Instant Reaction Podcast coming to you from the downtrodden Exile Brewing Company studios. And that has nothing to do with the fabulous folks at Exile Brewing Company or our sponsor, the Iowa Pork Producers or Heartland Flagpoles and Flags. It has everything to do with Iowa's worst offensive showing in the Kirk Ferentz era. The previous worst was Iowa's game at Arizona State in 2004. When they, I think they had 100 or 101 yards, the only points they scored in that game was on a punt return by Walner Bellius. This game against Wisconsin, Iowa's 14 points, two touchdowns come from Josh Jackson pick sixes. The offense did not score. The offense gained 66 total yards. The offense had five first downs. I think the offense had as many drop passes, if not more drop passes, than they had first downs on this day, which certainly contributes to those things. Wisconsin with a 38 to roughly 21 time of possession advantage. Of course, there's some seconds worth of change in there. At one point in time, Iowa was plus four in turnovers, and they were down 17 to 14. As it turned out, Iowa would wind up being uh, just plus one in turnovers. As Iowa's offense did nothing. I did nothing. Nate Stanley, 8 of 24 for 41 yards and one interception. Uh, his worst game uh, as an Iowa Hawkeye. A number of drop passes. Um, Amir Smith-Marset in the first half. Iowa was deep in its own territory. Third and I think four-ish or so. And he ran across the uh, line of scrimmage in motion. Got out into the flat. Iowa got exactly what they wanted. The ball hit him right perfectly in the bread basket and he dropped it. And at that position, and then that was followed up by a uh, a bad punt into the win. And in that place and position on the field, that is almost as bad as a turnover. I mean, it's pretty much like a turnover at that particular point in time. So, 
to me, there was clearly a great deal of quote-unquote lack of execution in this game. And that basically took away any chance for Iowa to have prolonged drives. And Iowa is typically a team that does its work via prolonged drives. It's not usually a quick strike, big hit team. So when you when you drop passes on third downs or when you have first and 10 and Nate Stanley throws a beautiful seam route to Noah Fant who gets his arm up and it just, to me, he should have got his hands. I don't know why he didn't get his hands up. It's, well, it's tough to turn around when you're running at full speed. And that ball, you know, if it was thrown with a little more, um, little more altitude, if you will, Stanley uh, or Fant can probably run under it and catch it in stride. But it was a little more on a line. I still think he should have caught it because it hit his hand, and he didn't jump for it, and it hit his hand. And he was two steps behind the nearest defender. So you miss that, and then two play, and then and then uh, you know there's there's one debatable ball that. Stanley threw on a rifle to Nick Easley that Easley couldn't corral. Uh, and, and then you have a, um, on third down, you have a turnover when, when Stanley wasn't looking for the snap out of a shotgun. And Wisconsin picks up the ball and returns it for their own score. So at that point in time then, instead of being 17-14 and punting away, it's 24-14. The offense has, hasn't done anything. And things... Um, Things looked pretty bad at that point in time, and it was it, it was a horrible game. It was you know this week during one of the many podcasts that we do on Hawkeye Nation, I said that I expected this to be a a, a game where Iowa's offense struggled. Towards the end of the week, I think I just remained caught up in the euphoria of last week and picked Iowa to win by three, but I, I thought it was going to be an ugly performance, and to for to. To give Iowa's defense some benefit of the doubt, they were on the field for nearly 40 minutes and they gave up 382 yards. That's that's not bad, actually. Unfortunately, they were just put in horrible situations. Iowa's offense was also behind the eight ball quite often with bad field position. Numerous drives starting inside their own 15-yard line that first half, which, which we've seen a number of times this year. Rasseter's first two punts, he averaged 51 and a half yards on those punts, but after that, things were pretty dicey in that regard. And of course, predictably, um, at least on Twitter, where I hang out during games, um, a lot of a, uh, a lot of negative emotional reactions, let's just say. I know that some of you are, are tuning in to this podcast to continue to stoke your anger, um, tuning in to hear John be sanctimonious and holier than thou. Because you just you're the type of individual that thrives on on negativity like that and, and feeding your fire and and all of those things. I don't, I don't know where this podcast is going to go, so I can't tell you if I'm going to do that or not. But uh, you can everyone can react and feel how they want to feel. I, I I've I'm not here to tell you how to feel. I'm not here to tell you whether I'm not here to tell you to stay positive. I'm not a cheerleader. I'm not here to tell you to get mad. That's not my role. Uh, I, t- I tried that jacket on one season and it didn't fit me. I, and I didn't really care for it. Some of you loved it. Um, so sorry to disappoint you in that regard. I, I guess I just keep coming back to this notion. And some of you won't want to hear it. And that's fine. Um, I'm only going to be honest with you and, and tell you what I think and feel. And if you don't like it, you don't have to listen. 
I go back to August and I look at this team and I look at what Dace and I talked about in August. We talked about a team that offensively we thought was going to be very challenged this year with a first-year starter at quarterback, with receivers that by and large, other than Matt Vandenberg, who was clearly not his, not his two-year-ago self, um, was wholly inexperienced. We thought the offensive line was going to be the strength uh, of this team. But as you all know, I was down two senior starters at tackle and you know, so then here, here's the here's the question I could hear some of you already thinking. Well, John, how can they go out and put 55 points up against Ohio State, go seven of seven from the red zone in that game, score points on eight of their 12 position possessions against an Ohio State team? Well, how does Ohio State roll up 300 some yards of offense rushing yards against rushing yards against Michigan State today? How does Ohio State do that to them when Iowa scored 10 points against Michigan State? in East Lansing and Iowa averaged eight yards per carry on the ground against the Spartans and Iowa averaged 6.4 yards per carry against Ohio State. How can you explain those things, John? Well, I said last week instantly after the Ohio State-Iowa game that I felt that Ohio State came out in a very arrogant defensive game plan, that they were the first team all season who didn't send eight men at least to stop Iowa's run or slash blitz Iowa all season long at a high percentage of the snaps. They were the first team to do that. Oftentimes, Iowa had six men in the box or seven men in the box last week. And novelty, it's easier to block fewer bodies than it is more bodies. It's easier to block up uh, defenders when they're not rushing from the inside and the outside or making you guess every single play. And then you have time, and it's easier to run. It's easier to throw. And Iowa executed individually last week as well as any game of the Ferentz era. So it was near perfection. They didn't today. A number of drop passes. I told you I was worried about a a hard football and the cold temperatures. I thought execution would probably struggle. It did. Those things happened. They just happened to a degree of, of bad that... I don't know that anybody can predict, oh, Iowa's going to have its worst offensive performance of the Ferentz era this week. No, you don't predict things like that. Just like nobody predicted Iowa to have its best offensive execution game in the Ferentz era and arguably one of the best, if not the best, in the last 40 years. Last week, against an Ohio State team that was top five in the nation, just beat Penn State at home, etc. You can't predict these things. What you get with young teams and inexperienced teams offensively, as Iowa is, the only consistent thing you can count on is inconsistency. The black and gold unites us all, but then what? Kevin the Flag Guy from Heartland Flags here. If you're listening to this podcast, you bleed black and gold. But what comes after the Hawks? For me, it's the Cincinnati Reds and Cincinnati Bengals. Nope, can't explain it. What about you, Packers and Wizards? Pelicans and Sharks? NASCAR and the Jags, Bulls, Bucks, and Chargers, whatever flag you want, we've got it. Jump online to heartlandflags.com and shop our huge inventory of sports teams' flags. You won't find a better selection or better prices anywhere, guaranteed. And to top it off, free shipping on all purchases at heartlandflags.com. Oh, and that Iowa flag you've been flying since the Hawks last went to the Orange Bowl? 
Time to step up and freshen up with a new design. Check out our Hawkeye selection when you're shopping for your other favorite team flags at heartlandflags.com, where you'll never pay for shipping. Nate Stanley can look like a first-team All-Big Ten quarterback last week, whereas this week it looks like it was the first time that he played a road game. It happens with young teams. And I know you're wait. I mean, that's football. That happens. Not to the... It usually doesn't happen to the extremes of what we've seen in each of the past two weeks. You don't normally see one week of the best execution you've ever seen given the opponent and how great they are historically as a program at Ohio State to the following week executing this poorly. You rarely see that big of a swing. And some of you are saying, well, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. How do you explain that? Well, you can't. You can't explain it. Well, Brian Ferentz didn't call him good plays today. Well, okay, they don't look good when they're not being executed and you're not moving the ball. You don't drop passes. You drop passes and you're the Iowa offense against a very aggressive defense. It kills you. Always has. Wisconsin's defensive game plan was 180 degrees different than Ohio State's defensive game plan. Wisconsin was very, very aggressive. They run a different scheme. They run a 3-4 scheme. They bring backers on a high percentage of snaps. And they've got four of them. And you don't know which way they're coming from. And they make you play a little left-handed. And I can't sit here and say that the plays that were called didn't quote-unquote work because there were a number of times where there were drops. There were a number of times where there were too many defenders to block them up. Well, they should have done something different. Again, don't drop passes. It kills you. And you'll want to say that, well, you know, they only ran 50 plays. Well, if you don't drop a ball on third and four, you get three more plays at a minimum. If if Noah Fant catches that ball for 30 yards, Iowa's down at the, you know, the inside the uh, 35-yard line of Wisconsin and down just three points in the second half. And you get three more plays there. A lot of those drops came on third down. One of them, that the Phantom play, came on first down. So you're probably talking about another seven to ten plays that didn't happen because of drop passes. And when you only run 50, that's like, that's a big number. It's a big number. But I know some of you don't want to hear that because you would like Kirk Ferentz to go up to the podium after the game and, and offer up an animal sacrifice to atone for this because somebody or something must pay to make you feel better about yourself. That's okay. Some of you are like that. that that's life. We all know people like that. And if that like ticks you off, then it was meant to. So here we are. Every writer that I know that covers Iowa had them at six and six or seven and five. Iowa's going to be favored in each of their next two games against Purdue and Nebraska. I'm not saying they're going to win those games. I'm saying they'll be favored in both of them. And if they do win them, they'll be eight and four. I don't know anybody in the, in the media that covers the team for a living, which doesn't mean that they're necessarily smarter than you are, but I don't know anybody that had them eight and four. I said this summer that if Iowa can go eight and four or better, that would be one of Kirk Ferentz's best coaching jobs. And I know you don't want to hear that today, but I'm still going to tell it to you because it's what I think. And it's up to you to value whether or not what I think and if you want to hear it or not. I think it would be one of his better coaching jobs. And I think the future is very bright for next season. 
I still do, even after today. I feel I feel it's just as bright today as it was one week ago after Iowa had blown out Ohio State. Nothing happened today that's, that makes me step back and go, oh man, gosh, this is, hmm, I'm going to have to reevaluate next year now. No. They got smoked. By a team that's probably better than I thought they were, but still by an offense that I think if you make Alex Hornibrook throw the football, they're beatable. I said all week long, I felt Iowa should run blitz or, or bring another body down into the tackle box on first downs because of uh, Wisconsin's an 81% run tendency on first downs this year. At one point in time, and I stopped counting, on their first down plays, they were 21, uh, 18 runs out of 21 first down plays. Now, for the game, they had 30 first down plays and they ran 27 times. Late in the game, that's going to certainly skew run heavy. But when it was 18 of 21, I think it was still either a three-point game or a 10-point game. That's a huge run tendency on first down. Bring another body down there. Give yourself the best chance. I, I saw it just a handful of times and I didn't see it till very late. So this may not be cathartic for some of you if you were coming here looking for some type of rationale. Um, it maybe only feels or fires up your fuel a little bit more, and I don't apologize for that. Um, I still don't think you throw the baby out with the bathwater. I think you look at this season in totality. My daughter heard that phrase behind me, and she thinks it's funny, my eight-year-old. I'll explain to her after this what it is. They're 6-4 and four with two games left. Two games that Vegas is going to have them as a favorite. I'm probably more worried about the Purdue game than I am the, the Nebraska game. Because I think that that was a very physical game today in Madison. Uh, and that's a physical toll and an emotional toll. So we'll see. We'll see how it happens. And we'll be back here next week. Same as always. Hope to see you back here next week. Uh, if you want to shoot me an email and, and tell me off, by all means, it's JD, John David, the initials JDMiller71 at gmail.com. And I'll look forward to uh, conversing with you, whatever you want to say. We do those things. Or look me up on Twitter, at Hawkeye Nation. We will talk to you tomorrow night. We'll see what Steve Dace has to say about this, and then we will burn it and move forward. Thanks for listening, as always. Even if you don't disagree, even if you disagree with me or you don't like some of the things I say, I do appreciate you listening. But at some point in time, if it becomes too much, I understand if, you've, if we've got to break up. That's how life rolls. We'll see you soon.